Welcome to another episode of Odyssey and Muse. I'm John Jerko, and this is a podcast where we explore adventure, creativity, and living life without a map. Okay, so this episode is going to be a little more laid back. Uh, it's with my best friend, Nick Army. He's an award-winning director, videographer, producer, director of photography, editor. He's the man when it comes to video, TV. I worked at WBGU PBS for a couple years, and about a year ago, he moved to Hart Associates, where he's director of photography there. And he shares a love for film, adventure, productivity, and podcasts with me, and it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm just going to jump into it here. Hey. Yeah, is this a show? This is Nick. <sighs> this is Welcome to Odyssey Amused. <laughs> Today, we're going to go deep. We're going to talk to lifestyle adventurer John Jerko. Sign printer, web oh, designer. Do not turn this on me. Do not turn this. I think podcast for the next episode, I, I should interview you, man. You could maybe. I feel like we got to do a hundred, or I got to do a hundred before you can interview me. So maybe really? I should have you come back every ten episodes. It'll be kind of like, hey, Nick's back. That'd be fun because I yeah. wouldn't be sick the next time. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, I I want you to be. Well, I don't want you to be sick, sick? but I like, I like the um, you know, you're facing adversity head on, and it just shows. That's part well, of what I want to talk about. Maybe I was just worried that you didn't have a show in the can and would <laughs> <laughs> miss a post. I would, so thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a show in the can. <laughs> kind of figured. Yeah, and I was like, hey, you want to do this? And you, you seem like you kind of did. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to ask anyone else because Nick will do it. Totally. And here I am, man. And I haven't talked forever. I feel like this episode should just start like this. I'm just going to cut right. it in somewhere here. But... um. Wow, I should yeah. have been more interesting then. Dude, it, I, you, you don't want to start out too interesting because the amount of interestingness that's going to come out of your mouth is going to blow people's minds right now. So Okay. Yeah. Let's just start the show. I'm just going to start oh. it. I have like a little intro. Maybe I'll read it later and put it over top, but I don't I don't feel cool. like I need to. So, uh, hey, Nick. How's it going? Hey John. Hi, John. It's going all right. How are you? It's it's going great. It's been a it's while. Going been, <laughs> it's going great. Best day ever, man. It's been a while I'm since so we tried podcasting. To be on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, you are. So uh, this whole podcasting idea, I feel like, kind of started with uh, you and me talking about how much we like podcasts. They're the best. And every time I, I like search my Gmail, I come across an email that's like at an earlier and earlier earlier date where we're like, "Hey, let's podcast. Let's do this. Let's get some mics. <laughs> let's and do it for real I this time." I, I feel like I feel like the earliest uh, attempt was maybe two thousand eight, which. Oh my gosh, that's that's a long time ago. <clears throat> but um, was it uh, I don't even a fistful of useless degrees. <laughs> well, was that, it uh, that was more of a blog I think than a podcast. The, the one where we were gonna act like we were bros and drink forties on our podcast <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, remember was, that one? That was a good was that one. one. That was a good one. There was one where we were uh, gonna. It was brutally awesome. Critique podcast. films. Oh yeah, we did have brutally awesome. You built a website for that I one. Did. We could just go through all the websites. I think you built it's for the ideas that I never. Uh, <laughs> Follow through on. I think it's still out there, maybe. That was a good one. I was pretty proud of that website. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, basically you got me to start doing this, so so I thank you for introducing me to the podcast world. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this sounds so like, like um, did you ever see that SNL skit where I think it's Alec Baldwin is on the radio show and they're talking about the sweaty balls and sweaty wieners? No. I feel like that's how we're talking right now. It's like a very forced radio voice. It's not... <laughs> We're not we're not being uh, natural enough here, Nick. And I think that's oh, I am. I'm problem. just sick. Okay. Oh yeah, you're sick. I'm being super natural. So, 
Man, you are like a. Uh, you want me to get real? Yeah, we're gonna get real now. We're taking it into the real zone. Okay. Um, so you, you you're kinda, gonna cut all this out, right? You kind of do stuff with video, and I'm just gonna ignore you when you say that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you're uh, you were a what were you a producer, editor, director at uh, B- WBGU PBS? Yeah, I worked while. for PBS as a producer, director, yeah, videographer. You pretty much not- like. You would basically come help come up with the concept for shows, and you would write them and direct them and shoot them and get other students to help. And you, you did a lot. <laughs> I feel like you yeah. worked a uh, hundred hours a week. I did. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I would probably, I don't know, take people's ideas and help make them better and problem solve, and then produce shows. Which means I don't know, like you figure out how to do everything and then go do it. Mm-hmm. And then I would shoot everything and edit everything and put it on TV. That's pretty awesome. And then, what, within the last year, you decided to take on a new job at Hart Associates? Is that the name of Yeah, voted the best ad agency in Toledo this year. Um, awesome. Yeah, a lot of what I did at BG was actually working with the marketing and communications department. So I'd make commercials, promotional videos, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I really loved it because you get to spend a lot of time crafting a single shot and telling like a short story really well Mm -hmm. and with high production value. So I really kind of felt like on the documentary end of things, you didn't have a chance to really make beautiful pictures and, and just put a lot of effort into something because you're just moving so fast, which I do enjoy, but I really like the commercial end of things where you can think things through and make it perfect. Um, Cause I'm kind of a perfectionist. So anyway, so no. yeah, so I started working at heart and so I'm a producer, editor, director of photography there. So I basically just DP and edit a lot of different commercials. What's the, the main difference between the two? Do you feel like you focus more on the actual uh, planning of shots and stuff like that? Do they have like separate director or what's yeah. What's yeah. I actually, yeah, I do work for a director, which I thought would be kind of weird mm-hmm. um, to give up that control, but I think it's great because I can just focus on the thing I'm doing and let him focus on the thing he's doing and we can kind of work together to make things better. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Because I feel like uh, there's so many creative positions in that goes into TV or film production and to do it all yourself, it just, it sucks a ton of energy. So it's, it's hard to be really creative Well, yeah, in all those, sh- all those areas at once. You can't, you you can do it if you're really good, but I don't think I'm that good yet. So when you're shooting and you're focused on like a highly technical shoot, Mm -hmm. you're lucky if you even pay any attention to what's happening, like within the frame, because you're worried about framing it up perfectly, you know? And so you only see what happens on the edges, but you don't actually see the performance or anything like that until you play it back. Uh huh. So it's really nice to have a director just focusing on all the things that happen within the scene. So yeah, you're you're able to actually focus on the lighting and the the shot setup and all that. Um, yeah, and lately we've been doing these like really long one take shots, like f- a forty five second scene with, I don't know, ten extras in it, and and you're walking down a hallway and this happens, then this other thing happens, and then you like duck into a room, spin around a person, follow the next person, oh, that's they drop cool. something, someone picks it up. So like, is there a lot of rehearsal that goes into setting that shot up? Not much. I mean, I feel like we do about 10 takes, and by the 10th time, we've got the kinks worked out, and we're on to the next one. 
Cool. Which is uh, pretty awesome, man. It's fun. It's definitely uh, upgrading gear from PBS to what you're using now, right? Way big upgrade, yeah. So we shoot a lot of things on the Red Epic Dragon and uh, Alexa, stuff like that. How was that change for you? Were you excited to actually get to use this stuff? Oh, I was super excited. It's always been my dream to actually use like good equipment. Uh-huh. And uh, now that I'm doing I've done it a couple times now and I'm completely over it and it's just another tool. It's like not that exciting anymore, you know? Yeah, that's I feel like when you I first used to it went quickly. out to LA and I was working at that rental house, I'm like, I'm touching an Alexa. It's I know amazing. and I remember texting you and just being like, I'm so jealous <laughs> that you get to play with all these tools. And then you just realize that actually the the more expensive gear I feel like is easier to use and more forgiving than the cheap stuff. So you're just like, it is. Uh, like is you're shooting in raw. Fun. You don't even have to white balance anymore. <laughs> you're like, I could do it all in post. It's every yeah. old person's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Even the ISO is is uh, you can change. <laughs> you're like, what film speed are we at? Oh, we could just change. Doesn't that post, doesn't matter. Yeah. Nothing matters. Just point the camera. Get a good shot. We can it's crop 6K. it in. Six <laughs> K. Yeah. Just don't cut their heads off. <laughs> Uh, just get it in the shot somewhere. Although it was good to to not to to work with more limitations to mm-hmm. start my career, so that by the time I got to that point, I wasn't you know running. Yeah, you're, you're, shooting, you're not using it as a crutch. Yeah, and you're shooting terabytes of footage, so you need to be pretty selective when you hit record and make sure you get it right. Yeah, that's true. And people don't realize how much data is getting eaten up on the back, especially if you're shooting 6K or RAW. It's crazy. It's like <laughs> we get four takes on a battery, and then we have to change batteries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're used to, like, with one of those little Canon DSLRs. You're like, oh, I got two batteries. That'll last the whole day. <laughs> yeah, and you can run. Yeah, so which is another plus of having a really good director who can know when they have the shot and move on without being too precious about yeah, doing yeah. 50 takes. That's true. Don't don't Stanley Kubrick it unless you're Stanley Kubrick. Right. So, let's go back to the the early days of Nick Army. <laughs> <laughs> um, did right. you? I, I feel like, you know, we've been friends forever, but we don't always get into like deep conversations about how we got into this stuff. Um, it just seems a little weird to do that unless uh, I'm forcing you to do an interview with me. But, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, have you always been into? I mean, I know you've always been into film, knowing you, but did you always know that you wanted to do something like this? Oh man, up? I had no idea. And I can't even remember when it happened. Cause you hear these people always talking like, Oh, this was the moment that I knew, or I've always been making, you know, VHS movies since I was three years old yeah, or yeah. whatever. I don't know. I think those people might be full of crap. I think they're <laughs> making up these origin stories. Do you feel like that makes, gives you a lot of pressure to like know what you need to do? Because I feel like that's, I'm the same way. Like I never really knew what I wanted to do. And I feel, I feel like I still don't, I like making cool things and, kind of evolving with whatever that is at the time but it's like yeah I'm, i feel the same way people are like oh, i knew i wanted to be a doctor since uh, i was two years old yeah like, people <laughs> feel a lot or i felt a lot of pressure to, to have these absolutes in my life like i was born to make film but like i just i think my first year in college i started getting into like crappy kung fu movies uh-huh or like good good i don't know like driving kung fu movies that they weren't crappy like uh the flying guillotine and stuff like that, and mm. Tarantino movies. I think it all started was I read Fight Club, and then Amazon was coming out about that time, and they had this thing called like wish list or like uh, so you'd like tos or something, where other people could recommend like a whole bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. And then somehow that's kind of got me into movies. Well, you, and I developed good taste. Yeah, you then, developed kind of a unique taste early on, didn't you? I mean, when did you start yeah. watching? I, I feel like you almost 
purposely steered away from popular films for a while just because you you didn't want to I don't know mess up your taste with with oh yeah I, I don't know I mean I've always liked good films but mm. I'm always more interested in the things on the edges of good taste and I, I yeah I like weird stuff because I don't think it pays to be normal you know I I was always more interested in horror movies and schlocky drive-in films and uh-huh. foreign films and stuff like that just because they're more interesting. Yeah. Well, I remember when, when we first met, I've, I think we were both in a cinematography class, and you were talking about zombie movies, and I was like, oh, no, here's another guy that just likes terrible horror films. But <laughs> <laughs> but you actually went beyond just like the, I'm just looking for something that's gory. You actually tried to, to read into him a little more, I feel like. In, yeah, I don't know. I just, not a, not in an obnoxious, like pretentious way, but just. Well, that's what I liked about it was, um, you and I were both in philosophy program, you know. Yeah. And the philosophy people are so pretentious, <laughs> and it's just obnoxious. So I think to, to take something that's kind of lowbrow and find a deeper meaning in that, it, and to have people that want to say important things but don't need to be pretentious jerks about it, mm-hmm. is what gets me kind of excited and interested so if you can say something powerful with a horror film instead of you know being a pretentious jerk and making some arty farty film like begotten or something it's all black and white and (laughs) i don't know i i think i got so disillusioned with the philosophy people and everything was phallic and they were psychoanalyzing everything that i just wanted some some lowbrow something fun yeah. And that was the other thing. It's like no nobody actually enjoys all these really fancy highbrow films, right? Or like a racer head. <laughs> oh, I love a racer head, but I don't know. There's just some of these fancy movies, foreign films that uh, I think people just feel a lot of pressure to act like they enjoy them and understand them and very uh-huh. few people really do. Yeah. And it just creates all this anxiety where you wanna be a part of something that you don't really understand or care about that much. It's like going back and reading, I don't know, let's see, Moby Dick. You read Moby Dick, right? Uh, I read maybe half. I don't even know if I got through halfway, but I actually was enjoying it at the time. Yeah, just, that might be a bad example, but there's like all these canonical things that people feel like, okay, we'll do one Kant, the critique of pure reason. Uh-huh. Right? Who the hell liked that book? <laughs> I don't even think Kant liked it when he was writing it. Yeah, and you keep reading the same 50 pages, none of it makes sense, and you're just not having any fun. Yeah, and there's all this weight of the history of <laughs> philosophy like before. That's oh. I. I mean, it's. I think we both experience it's like a love-hate relationship with with our philosophy classes and books. It's like there's something that draws you to them, but at the same time, there's there's so much pretension and this. If you feel like you have to learn Greek and Latin and the entire history of human humankind to have a chance of understanding anything, but. In the, end, in the end, do you really understand anything after learning all that? I don't know. Oh, I, man, that was the biggest kind of interesting moment for me was when I took a couple philosophy classes and I started out and I was like, yeah, I'm going to find out the answers to all this stuff, uh-huh. like the meaning of life and whatever. Like I really thought that there was an answer. Yeah. And if I took the classes, they'd tell me. And then I was like, oh, sh- crap, there's, there, that's, there are That's the biggest no takeaway that, ever. that no one really does have an answer, which I think is an important takeaway. It's awesome, right? And, and I think it's... You know, another thing that I liked about philosophy was just the way it questions things, I guess, and that's that's kind of something that I think is worthwhile. Yeah, there's like this question everything, critical thinking. You don't just accept everything at face value. Um, you realize how little we really know. 
you realize how mysterious the universe is, which makes life suddenly so much more interesting because you start thinking in a different way and Mm -hmm. everything's kind of exciting. Um, but then I realized I didn't want to do that for a living. That'd be terrible. Right. So (laughs) what being like a philosophy professor. Yeah. Cause then you do become probably a pretty pretentious person more. Yeah. You know, we had some cool philosophy teachers, but they were the exception, but, uh, that's probably why I took like six from the same professor because <laughs> they were kind of standouts from the rest. But so hey. video's way cooler than that, right? You just get mm-hmm. to make make things and meet people and learn new things every day, and you can make videos about different subjects if you want to. It's just cool. Well, going back a little bit, we're because you didn't go to BGSU to start, right? I went to Kent State for a year, and then did you go to Maine and... campus or was there one up? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I missed that you went to Kent. I don't know, man. You Doesn't almost matter. We were almost going to the same school because we were. Uh, did you go like there 40. for a year? No, but uh, you know it's like forty minutes away from me, so that's. Yeah, <laughs> I went to every other Ohio State related school. You collected uh, a lot of universities. I did. I did. Um, but did, when you were going there, what were you studying? Did you have any idea? Or were you just going to go? I'm filming philosophy again, and I took oh, really? like a really great philosophy class there, and uh, and that's how I fell in love with it. Um, I started out doing it because my cousin's really smart and he was into philosophy, so I thought it'd be cool if I did philosophy and yeah. I had no idea what it was about. And then I kind of actually fell in love with it. We read Beyond Good and Evil, Nietzsche book. and It's a good one. Yeah, it was great. So good. I don't think I've ever had a better philosophy class than that first intro class. So so you were kind of hooked from the start then? Yeah, and I was into movies, and so and I was like, well, might as well do that the rest of my life, right? What What made you transfer to Bowling Green? Just the family uh, was closer? A girl. A girl? <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> True love. <laughs> True love. Uh, that's Well, that's cool. I didn't realize that. Um, so you went to BGSU. That's where we met. And the film side of it, uh, I mean, do you feel like, because I feel like this is kind of always the controversy, was film school worth it for you, do you think? Not or, at all, man. <laughs> or do you think you would have been better off? But would you would you have pursued it past school if you didn't go there do you think or what what do you I don't think? know I mean spending that much money on something really forces you to commit to it right because yeah. you just wasted four years of your life you don't want to <laughs> look like an idiot so you <laughs> damn well better go make something out of it um <laughs> it was a terrible terrible film school I thought but but I met you and I met some other cool people and so that helped so yeah. in that regard it was worth it yeah, I mean, I, I feel like in terms of just meeting people and the social aspect of it, it's definitely. I was, I mean, I had, I had tons of fun there. I, I regret the amount of money that was spent, but, <laughs> but I can't say I didn't like enjoy the film and philosophy classes and most of the people. So, in that respect, it was. It was no, a good man. Time. I mean, I think you you go there just to meet people and be around creative people and to and to, and you're you're investing in a time in your life where you don't have any real responsibilities and you can kind of do whatever you want. My regret about college is that they don't teach you to work hard and do it every day and be dedicated to your craft. That's the, true. I college doesn't take it very seriously, you know. If but you, you a, that's kind of something I wanted to talk about with you too was just your work ethic because I really don't know too many people that have the amount of work ethic that you do. I mean, when you have a job, you'll you'll go above and beyond anyone else to to get it done and get it done right and do do your best. And I don't know, did that, did you always act like that? Is it something that you got from your parents? Like, where did that all come from? Because um, like you were just saying, you didn't 
doesn't sound like you got much of it from school. No, school. <laughs> no, here's what happened was I got out of school, realized, oh, crap, I didn't learn anything and I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and this is the real world. And, and then there was a sense of terror uh-huh. <laughs> where I was like, I should have been an accountant because in college it's so idealistic. They're like, oh, you know, dream big and you can be anything you want to be and all that crap. And uh, and so I believe that. And I always thought as a philosophy kind of guy that it would be more admirable to aim really high and fail big than to mm-hmm. set my sights really low and be successful. So I went for it and, you know, it's kind of an idealistic dream to be a filmmaker or a video producer or whatever, right? Like that's yeah, definitely. I mean, not it's, a real job it's in the arts. Yeah. Related so, to. so the whole time I was in college, I believed I could do it without actually doing any work. And then I graduated, realized the real world is really hard and I hadn't done anything. And they don't care that you went to school <laughs> and, and that nobody's going to hire you with a based on a degree. And so ever since then, I've just been trying to work my ass off to make up for the deficit that I had there and living in fear that I'm going to get fired tomorrow. So (laughs) that helps out. I mean, it really is that kind of that imposter syndrome that I'm lucky that I actually heard that word. And now I'm okay with it. Right. Where you feel like you're an imposter the whole time. Like I don't deserve that kind of success. Do you think that's what drives you or what did drive you at first? Was this fear that uh, I got to, I got to do my best or I'm going to lose this. And then I'm just going to be on the streets kind of thing or. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm, I'm scared every day. It's like, I don't think that's a sexy thing to say. Like Seth Gohn's not going to tell everybody we should just live in perpetual fear, but it's a darn good motivator yeah. for you to go out and work your ass off. So. Well, I mean, he kind of does say that we live in perpetual fear. He just makes it sound way nicer. Like dancing with fear. That sounds yeah, nice. Yeah, but he says you should like <laughs> embrace it and love it and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Although I, I have gotten really comfortable with that feeling of terror that. I'm not good enough, so. Yeah, the gut churn is uh is that David Avonbrough? Was it? You know, you know yeah, more than I, I do about stuff. But, <laughs> yeah, no, you, I feel like you read read and watch everything and know everything, but oh. <clears throat> you're just good at assimilating bits of information and making it sound like you're a genius because you are. Oh, but. thanks, man. <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, so that that's why I work hard is because I'm terrified, and also because you know, um. This is kind of a small market and there's not a lot of opportunities out there. So, and it, I hate that feeling that, you know, if you don't do it, somebody else will do it for half the price, you know, yeah. more willingly. So, well, do you, I mean, do you think it's sort of ingrained in, in just uh, who you are though, that you want to do the best that you can because it just matters on its own that you do that? It is, it is uh, definitely a part of who I am that I don't want to settle or do something half-assed um i want to do a better job every every chance that i get to do something i want it to be better than the last and uh yeah that's a value i have and i I can't do it any other way which sometimes sucks because i'll work (laughs) 100 hour week and and i'll see everyone else go home and they just don't care as much as i do and i used to think that that was like that i was better than them and then after a while i was like man I just need to care less so that I can get home at five every day, but I, I can't do it. So, yeah, it's a struggle. It's like, you want to be able to have that same, um, I don't know, the luxuries of being able to relax when you get home or, or go out and stuff and just, just be, you know, kind of have that mindless time. But, but then (laughs) I I think I'm kind of the same way when I do do that stuff, 
I almost feel guilty that I'm not trying to do something to no, it's to uh, move forward. That is uh, that is definitely a skill or a, a virtue to to be able to turn it off because I can't turn it off, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes I'm really unhappy, and I see other people go out and have a normal life, and I'm like, how do you how do you do that? How are you not thinking about the shoot tomorrow or <laughs> like uh, you know? I think you're the same way from from what I know about you, right? Yeah, I think you I can't do have, turn it off, I was, man. I used to, I don't I don't think I'm as bad as I used to be, but I'm I just remember having times where you know, you'd go hang out with friends on the weekend or something and then you're just like, well, I'm I'm never going to be a good, you know, depending on <laughs> depending on what I'm focusing on that year, like guitar or film or whatever, I'm like I'm never going to be up there with the good, you know, the the greats or whatever if I'm wasting my time having a life <laughs> which and it's like it's, uh it's, it's kind it's, of strange it's, it's like, kind of half true like you kind of need some time off or else you won't be good yeah. you can't go 100 percent all the time at the other end of the thing i don't really believe that balance is possible in life like i don't think you can be great and have a perfectly balanced life and yeah be a family man and a great husband and read all the books that are out there and watch all the movies you want to watch and have a social life and also be perfect at your job like you got to pick and choose what you want to be good at. And yeah, it's a sacrifice on every end, depending on what you choose. So yeah, it's tough, tough stuff to decide it's, what to do. Yeah. That's adult life, right? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> not just i uh, I'm going to be a rock star and go out and jam and make millions of dollars and, and be carefree. That doesn't work that way. <laughs> you can do that. Just don't have a kid and a wife. Yeah. And yeah. And be really good at guitar, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think there really are rock stars anymore that make that kind of money. There's there's a few, but it's a dying breed. Well, oh, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was one of my dreams at one time. It never worked out. But uh, um, so let's go into. Do you have any like daily? I know we we've both become kind of obsessed with this at different times, like daily habits or rituals. I know. Um, oh, I am so into daily habits and rituals. <laughs> um. What are some of your most recent ones? What are you doing right now? Drinking coffee and showering. That's about all I can do, man. Um, <laughs> Any kind of special <laughs> coffee preparations? You know, not right now. I found that if you just make good coffee in a coffee machine, it's pretty good. It's it's pretty good. You know, you I don't think need it's that a, extra one percent for that all that effort. Yeah, it's kind of diminishing returns. You know, I could do a pour over, but I'm usually running behind in the morning, or if I get up earlier. I can get to work earlier, mm-hmm. so I choose that usually. No, I don't have any morning rituals, man, but I believe strongly in them. I just don't have the willpower to make them happen. <laughs> what about just just at work, you know, in terms of like right, getting in the me, right mindset? Do you have any Oh, I was going to – I habits? could tell you about my fantasy rituals. Okay, yeah. I'd like to hear like, that, actually. It would be, well, my plan is to get up at like 5 a.m., mm-hmm. uh, work out for an hour, green smoothie – and some protein mm-hmm. cup of coffee for an hour while I write a screenplay another hour where I read get into work about nine o'clock work for eight hours um with a lunch break yeah that would like that's always my gold standard I just can't yeah. get up that early man it's uh, I'm I mean, still it's... waiting for that part everyone says like oh you'll grow into it like You'll be able to get up. Or, I used to sleep in all the time. No, I can't sleep past six. Like, 
who the hell are these people, man? Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I like right now I'm I'm kind of in a routine where I actually like I the only way I can manage to get up at 5:30, which I don't do every day, but I've been doing the last couple weeks pretty consistently. I have to like start preparing to go to bed at like eight if I want to have any chance, because then by the time I actually get away from the computer. Yeah, and kind of get ready for bed and then do some reading or whatever to kind of get my mind so it's not going 100 miles an hour and then actually be able to fall asleep by like 10 o'clock um it's pretty it's pretty hard to do especially like like if you if you actually do have any friends which i don't have a whole lot of them (laughs) (laughs) i mean uh, you know people want to talk or do something beyond beyond seven o'clock and you're like this is getting kind of late guys i want to i want to actually try to get up yeah, no blue screens before yeah. bedtime, right? <laughs> I do I do do that pretty religiously. I don't look at any screens before bedtime. I try to read fiction before I go to sleep and I mm-hmm. uh have blackout curtains and no no lights in my room. I need so to get that, some of those blackout curtains. I I have like paper thin curtains that if it's a full moon, I'm not sleeping. Yeah, it's yeah, terrible. you should. I mean, why not? Or just some cardboard <laughs> and some duct tape. That would even work. Just go with the curtains, man. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been reading lately? Oh, man. You're a big reader. Let's see. Nothing. I'm not <laughs> reading anything right now. I've been reading Wired. That's about it. Oh, Shovel Wired. Ready, that Adam Sternberg book about the future. Any good? Some, oh, it's all right. It's all, all right. right. Not as good as I was hoping for. Is that a, is that a nonfiction or fiction? That's a fiction book. Okay. I'm starting this Chris Ware box of comic books called Building Stories. Um, oh. Let's see what else. I'm really into books that are like kind of more than books right now. I bought that J.J. Abrams book, S. Oh yeah, did you did you dig into that much? Yeah, I probably halfway through that. Still, um, still attracted to it. Yeah, I had this other one. Um, man, what was it called? Blue Moby, the Life and Times of Blue Mobley, or something like that. A Life in Books, which looked really awesome. I think it's like a graphic designer who wrote a book, but he designed like. 100 book covers and it's about this author who wrote 100 books oh wow that's and pretty neat so it's it's kind of like forrest gump for international politics uh-huh um it's really <laughs> it's really obnoxious the book covers aren't that great i did not enjoy it i got about <laughs> a quarter of the way through and just threw it away um so i'm at that See, at least point you can in my break life where I, I feel like don't finish everything anymore yeah, well, I think that's a good habit to sometimes, though. I mean, it, to, to consciously throw it away anyways. Because I'm always, even if it's something I'm not that into, I always have this thing where I'm like, I got to finish it. I started it. I don't know I don't know why. But no, sometimes that. I do finish it, sometimes I don't. But yeah, yeah, you got to be able to just get rid of the bad stuff in your life when you realize it's there. I actually yeah, just man. finished uh, Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Okay, I started uh, that one. That's the one with the creepy cave with the yeah. trail of words and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it was pretty How good. Was I enjoyed it. I mean, I, nice. I started it last week and I just finished it today because I was like, nice. I, I just want to sit down and read. I haven't done that for a while, so it was kind of nice. Yeah. yeah, it was good. It's kind of creepy. Had very good atmosphere, which I'm always a big fan of atmosphere in my books. Uh, definitely an interesting read. I I'm about halfway through that one. <laughs> And uh, maybe I'll finish it. Cool, yeah. Check it out. It's worth it. Because it's part of a trilogy, so. Yeah, that's yeah. that's why I got it. Because I, I got it when the trilogy had just came out. not been completed yet. Oh, I was kind so, of excited yeah. to keep up with something, so that didn't happen. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, you, you got a lot going on. Um, Let's see. So, yeah, getting back to habits and stuff a little bit. Do, do you have anything... 
at work when you're like going in I, I mean I don't know if you like do jumping jacks and punch yourself in the chest or anything but <laughs> <laughs> I mean is there anything say you have a particular project that's going to be new or something that's kind of freaks you out a little bit do you do anything to kind of get yourself in the right mindset or do you just just do it I mean is Let's there, see. Is there anything oh, maybe man, you unconsciously that's... do we can cut out the five minutes of pause where I yes. just think yeah, about yeah, this well, question uh, for a second, right? That's when we'll throw in a sponsor. All right. Today's, <laughs> today's Cards sponsor. Against Humanity. They didn't want us to read anything, so <laughs> thanks. I love that, Ed. Um, yeah, let me think about that for yeah, a second. Is that yeah. cool? Throw so that in the back of your head. Answer. Yeah, do you want to Do you want to like pause and think about it, or do you want me to ask yeah, you some more questions? Let me drink some more tea. You want, let me you drink some more on? tea. No, 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 hold on a second. I will answer that question for real. Okay. You know, okay, so I actually, the way our projects happen right now, they come so fast that I don't have time to prepare for them, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, so no, I don't I don't have a ritual that I do besides to show up and, and do it, which I like that way of working Yeah. To a, to a degree, because once you start to overthink it, it just turns out terrible. Uh-huh. And that's um, where the, you kind of leave openings for anxiety and, and doubts <laughs> if you're thinking yeah. about it too much sometimes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'll try and watch a couple things and see kind of what kind of style do I want to have? What can I do that's new and different that hasn't been done before? I think there's a way of working where people want to like watch a bunch of things and then copy them exactly. Mm-hmm. So I try not to prepare in that way because I don't really want to do things that look like everyone else's yeah. work. I think yeah. that's a terrible way to work, so try to do whatever I can to avoid that and then to to get some kind of new technique in there so like this week it was these one take shots these long takes with kind of crazy camera work and so you were using the Ronin with the yeah so that was a Ronin with an epic and an easy rig to help take the weight off my arms how do you like operating that thing I love it man it's uh it's super challenging because you're trying to move through space, but also look into the frame and uh-huh. see how things are composed. But then you're also like backing into a doorway. <laughs> yeah, trying not to fall or run things over while watching out for light stands and stuff like that. So you're mm-hmm. trying to keep up with the actors, but also like it's it's a really interesting way to work. It's really made my brain expand a lot. I think because yeah. it's not just finding a shot and getting it, but it's like. You making to, a shot for 45 seconds that changes constantly, you know, so. Yeah, you're constantly thinking about the foreground and the background and everything moving. Yeah, and, like, when the person walks through the frame and, like, letting them walk through it the right way so that when you pan, it's not awkward as you let them cross the frame and go into another room. Uh-huh. And then what I've learned about this is that it's not about doing 10 takes so that you can get the shot right, but... It's about doing 10 takes perfectly every time, exactly the same way as you did the last time, so that the focus guy can get in focus. <laughs> yeah, there's that. So that's, that the, that's a tough shot to pull focus on, too. So the director's not waiting for you to get your stuff together so that you can actually start doing real takes. Mm-hmm. So now it's about deep focus, about repeating perfection about not having an ego where it's like this is all about the shot because it's really not almost not at all about the shot yeah you just need to show up be perfect and do it over and over and over again so that everyone else can do their thing and you can move on yeah it's not how i'm used to working and those kind of shots there's just so many moving parts like one one person's off a beat and then 
that shot's blown. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it might not even be you yeah. that time. It's, so it's been interesting to have the energy to do that for a 12 to 16 hour day. And at the end of the day, you still need to be perfect and on top of it and repeat everything each time, you know, your footsteps need to retrace perfectly so that you don't get sloppy and start blowing takes uh -huh. toward the end of the day. So it's definitely been an interesting learning process. How, how about just from the physical standpoint? Is that, is that bad boy tough to carry around that long? Yeah, the first couple of shoots it was because it, it, it works weird muscles in your back that you didn't know you had. Uh -huh. but, uh, but after that, I mean. Kind of got the hang can, of it. I can go all day with that thing now, yeah. Which is a relief because <laughs> if it were hard to use, then it'd be really hard to get <laughs> technical moves out of it, you know? Yeah. What about your, your personal creative life? Do you have any projects that you're working on now? Or what's maybe we could talk about the struggle of just trying to do personal projects because I know you and I have both talked about this a lot. And sometimes it's a lot, it feels like a lot easier to do work for someone else that you're getting paid for than to do it for yourself. <laughs> I think that's a common problem. Um, but. Yeah, I, I, I have a short film that I want to make, but uh, I've kind of been taking a break from the personal stuff. Mm -hmm. Just since I'm in a new job, I kind of want to focus on that and get good at that. And I feel like I'm at a place right now where I can learn new things at my job so I don't feel unfulfilled Yeah, yeah. in that regard. You know, I can push myself there. You know, my last job, did it for a couple years, got pretty good at that, felt like I needed to do more, so I was doing more personal projects. Yeah, you kind of hit a plateau. Time. Yeah, and those are super fun, obviously, but my goal is always to kind of get inspired about something and then find a way to make it happen at work. That's a good it's way to think about it. To integrate it into what I'm doing so mm -hmm. so that you get paid, paid to do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And because that I think helps. that projects that you're – invested in creatively and passionate about are always going to be better. So that's one way to make things that you do at work be better than just kind of grinding, grinding out a project because you have to. Yeah. You have to find some, some angle that you can connect with that makes you yeah. really want to work on it yeah, and make it a personal thing, you know, and put mm -hmm. a little bit of yourself into it. Definitely. Well, you you were doing a little bit of Instagramming and, some photography for a while there. Are you... Yeah, I was big into Instagram for like a couple months, maybe. And you were doing, were you doing more DSLR stuff? Did you start to get into that or was it all just iPhone? It was when like 50 you... 50 because all the great shots would happen when I didn't have a camera. And uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, this is awesome. So I'd go get it with my phone. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that was fun. The Instagram community around here is pretty cool. They're, pretty exciting you know they're always getting together and stuff it's a small world so it's nice to know all those people um there's only i don't know i i, I just felt kind of like instagram doesn't reward originality necessarily in the mm -hmm. in, at least where i've seen it if you look at any of the big feature accounts they're just featuring the same things over and over and over and over and over and yeah, over. It's like the same sunset shots and, you know. And all the big people that have hundreds of thousands of followers, you look at their account and they're taking pictures of the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just wasn't that exciting for me. Um, where I think Vimeo or something like that is way more exciting because people are 
Yeah, there's tons of content on there. I feel like the just the Vimeo staff picks. I mean, they really do a good job at curating too. It's it feels much more of like a an artistic community than you know just trying to put the most popular thing out there. Yeah, and I guess I don't know. Maybe since I'm not a photographer necessarily, it's kind of it's hard it's to diff- get excited. Yeah, I like stories. I like things that are more than one frame long that let you explore crazy ideas. Now, I really like the conceptual photography and the not abstract, yeah, conceptual, where it's just like kind of what's happening in this frame and and Mm -hmm. it kind of tells the story, but it doesn't tell you all the answers. So there's some good stuff on Instagram, definitely, but those are few and far between and a lot of people don't like them. Yeah, they like they like sunsets over yeah. and over and over again, <laughs> and, and so do I. Sunsets are beautiful, yeah, man. They but are. They like, are fun to look at. When you get to that point where you're pandering to people and you have to take a sunset picture because you know that's going to get two thousand likes in your yeah, it's not worth going there. For, picture of books in an oven or something is <laughs> nobody cares about that. Cause that was cool, man. You did do some cool. I love those pictures. Shots. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> you actually thought you put some thought into them. But yeah, Vimeo's exciting. It's like a short film festival every day. Oh yeah, I watched I watched like three or four documentaries in a row. I don't know if it was last weekend or the weekend before, but man, I mean they were they were short, but they're really I don't know. They're just inspiring. It sounds <laughs> silly, but but yeah, they just did some cool things. I mean, just the way that people attacked uh, storytelling is pretty unique. Yeah, I'm more excited about short film and short anything video related now I think and music videos obviously are always going to push the boundaries because they're kind of always at the forefront yeah you can be a little more experimental it's more forgiving it's the same thing with like commercials that's why short films are really good because you can put a lot more effort into something that's 10 minutes long versus you know two hours it's hard to do that yeah and when you're putting that much money into a feature film it's going to be really hard to convince investors to let you do some crazy stuff, right? That's true. It costs a lot of money. Like, I still can't believe Birdman ever... Happened? Got, got, yeah, got made, let alone got that big just because it's kind of a crazy film. Yeah, I still need to watch it. I, I realized the other day that that I had it on my computer and I didn't realize it. <laughs> I was like, I need to watch this movie. Dude, <laughs> well, come on. Yeah, I'm getting to it. Um... How about some of your influences in terms of creative influences or or just people that kind of inspired you to to push yourself and keep getting better at this stuff? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it stand out. You know, yeah, that, like I said, Fight Club was kind of the first thing that made me not have terrible taste in things, you know. I, I kind of – it's like it's, it's almost a cliche now because that was such a huge book and film, but uh, – that was the thing that kind of got me into philosophy, got me to think about maybe thinking critically about things and not taking everything at face value. Oh, man, let's see. Like Donnie Darko was one of the films that got me excited about films. Yeah. Even though that's a cliche. Now, everything that's a cliche <laughs> was the thing that got me excited about stuff. But they David were Lynch. genuinely good stuff, though. I mean, and they were yeah. they're coming Most of the things that are kind of hipsters hate them, it's because they were pretty good and everyone liked them and they had some mainstream success which i think is kind of important too um seth godin obviously was any anybody who said like just work hard and and keep working a lot 
that yeah. Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour things. That was the message I needed to hear, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about Seth Godin. I feel like you and I are the only people that ever talk about him or know him. <laughs> I, he, I know he, tons of people do know him because he's a pretty popular writer and marketer, but I think Seth Godin's like, yeah, he's a marketing genius and all that kind of stuff. Right. And honestly, I don't know that I've even read it. Many of his books, mm-hmm. the idea that he put in my head that I, am a better person for having figured out is like this idea of doing things that make you a little bit scared and, and realizing that feeling and then being comfortable with that. So like when you and I started out right after college, we were making freelance films, right? And Mm -hmm. we would go to these shoots and I'd be terrified. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing, man. Yeah. Yeah. And you always knew way more than I did. So I would just let you do it all. And now it's the other way around, (laughs) I think. And take a cut of it. But (laughs) But eventually I was like, well, that's a good feeling to have, to feel like you're in way over your head and you're completely screwed and have no idea what you're doing. Because if you pull it off, then you've learned something. Yeah. And if you don't feel like that, then you're probably not pushing yourself. So. Well, yeah, and you, I think you realize that if you're not afraid of what you're doing, then you probably just don't care about it enough, so it's probably not worth doing to begin with. <laughs> that's a good point, too. Yeah, so I guess so. I liked him a lot because of that. Um, then obviously there's tons of filmmakers who are pretty exciting to me. Um, you know, Corey Doctorow is a guy recently that's been pretty inspiring because he, he talks about the creative process and the muse. And he's like, if you're waiting for the muse to hit, then you're screwed. You know, <laughs> doing creative work is just, you just show up and you work like it's a job and you do it. And then you punch the clock out at the end of the day and you're done. And then you come back tomorrow and do it again. Yeah. I feel like a lot of writers say the same thing too that actually do it. You know, you can't you can't sit there waiting for inspiration. You have to do it every day and some days might suck and the stuff that comes out sucks, but you're never going to get those good ideas unless you keep squeezing them out <laughs> onto paper. Oh, it's it's true and and I think it's cool that everybody's saying it because you need to hear it every day or every other day at least. You know, you don't it's not a thing that you learn and then you know it and then you know it forever. It's a thing you need to remind yourself of all the time yeah. because you get comfortable otherwise. And I think there's this myth, too, that like if you're following your passion, that it's going to be really easy. It's like, oh, I really like doing this, so this is going to be fun and easy all the time. But if it's something you really care about and you really want to get good at it, you actually have to work your ass off, and it's going to be extremely hard and scary, and <laughs> it's never going to really get easier. Well, that's true. I think maybe Malcolm Gladwell was the first guy who – told me that through his writing mm-hmm. that like the big success stories always seem easy because they really don't tell you about the 10 years of failure and all the hard, all the hard work that they did because that's not like a it's not sexy sexy paragraph yeah. that you can write about this guy that came this success that came out of nowhere overnight there's like almost no overnight successes right that's just not the way they write the story. So, yeah, so it just, seems like it. You don't hear about them, and then all of a sudden they're everywhere in the news, but they've been working at it by themselves for 15, 20 years. And <laughs> yeah, so good news. If you want to work for 15 years on something with nobody appreciating it, then you'll probably end up being successful. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard one to overcome, though, because our culture just makes it seem like it should be way easier. And I, I think it's easy to get down on yourself because you're not there. Yeah, that's why there's all these hacks and diets and crap like that, right? And self-help. It's like yeah. people want a shortcut. 
and they just don't exist. It's the same thing when we had our philosophy class. I thought we were going to find out the answers, man. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. Like maybe it's the next class. Nothing is that easy. Yeah. No Which one. is exciting because I like to work hard. So I just know that if I keep doing that, <laughs> <laughs> it'll all be good. It can be addictive, though. You know, you just the the progress that you make every day, a little bit by little bit. Yeah, it's great. You're like, I can be a total idiot, but if I just work my ass off for 10 years, I'm fine. Yeah, that's so kind of inspiring in itself. You don't have to be born with that much talent. No. It's mostly it's, work. It is. I think so. At least if you want to get somewhere, you're not going to get maybe to the top, you know, without some innate talent and a lot of luck, but you can at least make a living at it. Yeah, exactly. So how about uh, podcasts? What are you oh, listening boy. to right now? Because... Uh, this is a podcast, so it's a little meta. But all right, let me get um, my phone out. What are but, you listening to? I'm still listening to to my old tried and true, you know, Roderick on the line. Still my favorite. Classic Odyssey and Muse. I got to say is probably my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Spread the word, everybody. Um, let's see. Uh, the Infinite Monkey Cage is this kind of scientist being funny podcast in front of a live audience. I've never heard of that. That one sounds pretty interesting. I got into a bunch of film ones because i was really excited about the oscars um do you find any good ones because every once in a while i'll go through it like uh i'll just try to search out anything related to film and and some a lot of times i come up kind of empty-handed for anything that's that interesting bbc's got one that's been on forever and i just found it mark kermode and simon mayo's film reviews which is really good Mm -hmm. they're like kind of funny um Film spotting is kind of interesting. I don't know. Script Notes is probably one of my favorite yeah, industry that is a good one. podcasts. They're pretty good. Um, Joe Rogan's obviously great. You still listen uh, to Back to Work at all? Because I feel like that's kind of the one that really <laughs> got us into it. I not not a lot out. lately. Yeah, it's 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 that's the thing when I'm like kind of when I just want to talk to an old friend, I'll just throw on a little Back to Work <laughs> and listen to that. So yeah, I listen to it. Same with Roderick on the line. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't really go there to hear any good advice or anything, but I do. <laughs> not that it's not. No, good yeah. Advice, but ah, oh, man, the, the the did you listen to the one on uh, alcoholism that he did a couple episodes ago? Man, no. it was really good. Yeah, talks about um, Alcoholics Anonymous. It's worth checking out. It's uh, really good. It's deep and it and funny. Tim Ferriss show I like. Oh yeah, Tim Ferriss. My favorite interviewer. Besides John Jericho is Brian Koppelman <laughs> on the moment. He's, he's like one so of the good. Best. He's good. Oh, you know one that I'm really excited about lately, even though it's not necessarily a great podcast, is uh, still untitled The Adam Savage po- Project, which is the guy from uh, Mythbusters. Oh, yeah. He's got a podcast? He's got a podcast, and they talk a lot about movies and stuff and like nerdy stuff, yeah. which is or geeky stuff, I guess you'd call it, which uh. is cool. There is a difference. This American <laughs> Life, obviously, right? Yeah, so you, you keep up with quite a few, or you at least browse quite a few. Yeah, 99% Invisible is really good. It's just like a 20-minute thing on something interesting that's usually design-related. So what attracts you to listening to podcasts? Because I feel you, you probably listen to more podcasts than you do music, don't you? At this yeah, point. definitely, by far, yeah. <laughs> um, Because I think, like, maybe in college I kind of decided that every empty minute of my life I should be filling with consuming information so that I can become smart and I was wasting all this time Mm -hmm. 
which also kind of ruined my life in a lot of ways for a while, and I became a weirdo. But, uh, so yeah, when I'm driving, I like to listen to podcasts and learn new things or listen to audiobooks, um, or cooking or showering or whatever. But so have you allowed for more like quiet or non information filled time? Cause I remember at one time you were, I feel like you hit a wall and you're like, I'm just trying not to listen to anything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I realized that I needed that those quiet spaces where my mind could breathe a little bit and think about new things instead of always consuming and being like activated so yeah because I, f- I feel like you need that time for your ideas to be able to percolate to the surface otherwise you're just being drowned by all these other out exterior ideas i guess yeah yeah you're totally right that's uh but that's I, exactly right i have the same tendency to be like constantly listening to something like take in more what are you gonna do just sit there and not listen to something <laughs> come on like, i'm gonna drive to work in silence and like think about I don't know. The abyss and the absurd. And, oh my Meaning goodness. of life. No, forget that. I'm going to learn something, right? <laughs> Making progress. <laughs> With, uh, your mileage may vary on that one, but. So th- this is kind of an adventure related podcast too. And I, I think that my, I, I've always wanted to do quote unquote adventurous things like traveling and seeing things. But I feel like when, uh, when our powers combined in college, we actually started doing some of them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was kind of a thing for a while. We would go to like a city and uh, camp outside in a, in like a national park or a state park and then yeah. head into the city for a day. Uh, we definitely need to do that again. There, <laughs> I mean, do you still have that desire to get out there? Oh, yeah. That was the best, man. That was the best. Um, and we're still going to do that, right? I want to. Yeah, we better. Yeah. I, I Plan mean, the next one. Part of it was that you lived in L.A., so that made that it that did make it hard tricky. Um, yeah, I'm always up for an adventure. It's my favorite thing in life is to get out of the house and go do something. Do you think they're See worthwhile? Adventures? Yeah. What else is there, man? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to see what you say. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the best thing ever is experiencing new things. I think and. Um, going new places, trying new things. I don't know. It's what gets me excited. Yeah. It's the excitement of the unknown, but in kind of like a less, less pressure, you don't have to perform for anyone. It's just kind of discover like a kid. It's a good time. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, I think it's, uh, like Roderick on the line or something. They say about having index cards, my index card for this place or that place. I want to build up my Rolodex of places I've been and things I know about places so that when somebody comes in from, Montana or whatever <laughs> I'm talking to them I can drop a little bit of knowledge on them you know and feel like the world's not as big as it is I don't know I think it'd be sad to die and not have seen every single place on earth <laughs> which that sounds like a pretty tough challenge <laughs> oh yeah but it's like what else are we here for are we here to work our butts off and die probably yeah. not like I like to work hard but at the same time I think there's more to it than just kind of growing up in one city and living there your whole life, having a family and then dying. Like I want to get out there and experience everything or else I would be sad if I died and hadn't done that. So yeah, I agree. That's kind of my secondary. There's a lot, there's a lot to see out there. Yeah. Or at least most of it, you know, you at least give it a shot. Exactly. What about advice for people that are trying to find their way into like maybe a creative profession, sort of what you're doing or something similar. And Maybe they're not really doing what they want right now. 
So I, I feel like it's easy to get down if you're like working a what you might call a regular job and you're not following your passion. You know, what? Yeah. What do you think? What's some advice for people to like get out of that mindset and? Well, at least get somewhere into the industry you want to be in, right? Like, or try to. Okay, if you can't do that, then do personal projects all day, every day. I don't know, whatever. If you think that you don't have enough time to do stuff, because I get this all the time. Like, I worked at a university, so I'd hire college kids Mm -hmm. all the time. They say, oh, I don't have time to do that. I'm so busy. (laughs) You're like, you've got more time than most people will ever have. You are not busy. (laughs) You're You're never too busy. I do think it's important to sleep, like, six to eight hours and take care of yourself, but you probably have enough time to do it. Um, but you can't be precious about things. If you're doing something, it's not fulfilling, drop it, you know, um, and, and only do the things that count. Don't, I don't know. I feel like there's a tendency. You feel like you got to do social media and networking and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. Like just make something great and good things will happen from that and then you do need to share it with people but i think it's a trap to get sucked into doing too much social media and marketing yourself and things like that like, yeah especially at the beginning you don't have anything that's worthwhile to market so don't worry about it so much just work on your craft <laughs> what's worked for me is uh every opportunity i've gotten i've uh it's been through people that i know you know it's i it's not because i'm great it's because i uh, the people i know mm-hmm but I don't work really hard to know a lot of people and, and I'm not like a networker. I, I'm scared of the word networking. So I just think of it as like making friends yeah, basically. Yeah. And that works really well. And then I got an opportunity right out of college to do like a freelance gig and I worked really hard on it and over delivered and did it for free. Well, that led to another one, which you and I worked on and mm-hmm. we tried too hard and did it for too cheap and <laughs> people like that. And then that led to another one. And then, somebody left a job over there and I got that job because they'd seen me doing all that work, you know? So that's actually how you got that job at the community college. Is that the, no, oh no, that, that I got actually from our, uh, from our terrible YouTube videos that we made. It's, you know, it's always (laughs) funny. You never know what people are going to hire you because of my, Mm -hmm. people hired me because my last name sounded like an action hero. And because we had, um, made a black and white film, I believe with hard lighting and they thought it was interesting. So they said, okay, this guy knows how to light stuff. So we're going to hire him. Like it's just completely random. Sometimes the, the breaks you get and the reasons you get them. But, but as far as hard rules go, I think over deliver on everything, try way too hard, care way too much, um, work more than everybody else. And, uh, and the, the sad thing is it's not hard to work more than everyone else. Most of the time, at least at the beginning, but if you want to get to the top, then you're going to start running into the people that are hard to compete with. <laughs> yeah, maybe you recognize the thing where you're like, oh, it's the weekend. I really don't want to go out in the woods in the freezing cold to shoot this thing. Like, it would be nice to stay home. And as soon as you realize that, then you need to get out there and film in the woods in the freezing cold because otherwise you're going to get left behind because someone's out there doing it. Yeah. Um. And normally after you you get past that first step and actually go out and do it, then you feel pretty good about it at the end. You're like, oh, man, I'm making progress. Yeah, because you can post a hashtag rise and grind and <laughs> or whatever and brag about how hard of a worker you are. Uh, that's not really who I am. But, um, you know, the other thing is once I got my job um, or I got my second job and it was my dream job and I was so excited about it, but then 
I would kind of insert myself into projects that, and like kind of invent new projects uh-huh. so that I could try new things and show people what I could do and, and show them that we could all do more, which was always annoyed my wife because then I'd be at work really late. <laughs> you're like, you Vol- don't have to be doing this. You're volunteering like- for stuff. And sometimes you're like, oh, crap, why did I volunteer for this? I don't have time for this. Yeah, but. Yeah. And, and I think that's how it feels. It's like it kind of sucks when you go above and beyond because everyone else is out having fun. But it also sucks to not have a job and to be like doing something you hate that you're afraid to tell people what you do. So yeah. it's a compromise, you know. I'd rather be working really, really hard at film stuff than working 40 hours at a job that sucks. So Yeah, I agree. It's a privilege to have a, a cool job. <laughs> you got to take that seriously. Awesome, man. Well, is there anything else you want to say? No, man. Wrap it Congrats up? on the podcast. How many episodes are you? This is going to be number nine, so All I've right. almost made it to ten. And see? It's the most episodes ever done in a row. And every week I'm like, am I going to make it? So you kind of saved me this time. It was <laughs> I didn't have anyone lined up, and you, you did an awesome job. Oh, that's exciting. Sharing your cool, cool profession. Thanks for having me on. And uh, is, is there any? I know you don't really do a whole oh, lot of social man. social media, but um, I don't know. Maybe your Instagram tag. Do you want to share anything? Instagram is uh, Nick Cinema N I C K Cinema. Um, what about Vimeo? Do you Vimeo? I'm on Nick Army N I C K A R M Y. My last name is Army, like the army. I've heard all the jokes already, <laughs> and I got a job because my name was an action hero name. So yeah, it worked out for you. Is that? Um, you can follow my live journal at just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Cool, man. Thanks. All right. Appreciate See it. Ya. Thanks, John. Bye. Later. All right. You can follow me, John Jerko, at John Jerko on Twitter and Instagram, and find out more about Odyssey and Muse, including the show notes for each episode at odysseyandmuse.com. But most importantly, go to iTunes to subscribe and rate the show. That's how the show gets noticed and grows. Thank you for listening. And until next time, follow your true north.